Hey there, welcome to Walking Alongside Perspectives, a combination of short monopods as well as some conversations with cool folks covering various topics based on what is going on in the world, focusing on the broader theme of perspectives. As Friedrich Nietzsche said, there are no facts, only interpretations. So let's get into it with this episode. Thanks for being here. So let's set the record straight right off the bat. There are a lot of things that I don't understand. First of all, where does the time go? How is it already July? I somehow missed posting a podcast in June. So apologies to everyone in case you were worried. But more importantly, what I don't understand is why can't you divide by zero? For example, you have a pie. None of your friends come for pie. So you're dividing by zero. And so you still have a pie, a whole pie. But the mathematicians will say that that's wrong because you still have the pie, therefore you actually divided it by one, and that's why it's a whole pie. And since dividing by zero is like dividing by a number so small that it's approaching zero, meaning that the answer is actually going to be a giant number, and so therefore the answer is undefined. Anyway, can you see why the list of things I don't understand is long? And then there's wind. I think it has to do with pressure systems or something. But basically, we're spinning along on our axis, not ours so much as Earth's axis, at essentially the same speed all the time. So why wouldn't you feel it like the breeze you feel when you're on a merry-go-round, consistent depending on the speed? I know that sounds dumb, which is why I don't understand it. It is currently gusting furiously, and it always makes me wonder what is colliding where to create that wind. The list of things I don't understand really is endless, but this particular episode on things I don't understand is really the result of two things. The first, a song, or to be more specific, a line in a song by the Northern Pikes. If you know the Northern Pikes, you'd know this one. The line is, the things I do for money, I'll never understand, which pretty much the rest of the song doesn't factor in at all, but that line, for whatever reason, was playing over and over in my head for some reason. I still don't understand. But the second thing that led to this episode was an incident. We had decided to go for a more adventurous walk one evening after a particularly early Sunday supper, so we headed to Budgebury Meadows, a must-see do hike just west of Edmonton. But when we got there, we discovered that it was off-limits for dogs, so we headed just a ways down the road, as it happened, to the Clifford E. Lee Conservation Area, where Luna was free to wander around on leash on the boardwalk and the trails as we took in all the waterfowl and hoped for a wildlife sighting. So far, we've only seen a muskrat, but we're holding out hope for maybe one day seeing a moose. Anyway, we did the walk, took lots of pictures, well, Daphne did, and we went home. That week, I had a bunch of meetings at work to attend with my new boss, and I was doing all of the driving, but I was getting more and more embarrassed because there was this weird smell in my car, and it was growing in intensity, even though I had emptied the garbage, cleaned all the areas where I might have spilled my tea, and put in an extra air freshener. It had been super hot that week and the smell was just getting worse and worse. This odd, sour, milky smell and I was baffled. I couldn't understand where it was coming from. Until that Saturday when I went to put my market basket in the back seat and spotted the source. Luna's poo bag, which I'd thrown in the car because Clifford E. Lee is managed by volunteers and they ask you to please pack out your garbage, which we did, but which also subsequently stank up my car because I forgot that I had thrown it in the back seat. Anyway, I immediately got rid of that and proceeded to Febreze the shit, literally and figuratively, out of my car, and it was right as rain after that. That's what got me thinking about all of the other things that I don't understand, like clothing sizes. Who decides what is small and what is medium or extra small or large or what is a 12 or a 2 or a 0? Zero really? How is that even a size? 
Men's sizing is a little bit better. It's generally a number that is somewhat meaningful, but then you have to also factor in leg length. And, and what if you're a man with a juicy booty, which though rare, does happen. Either way, men's and women's clothing sizes are whack. It serves to really frustrate people. It makes you feel bad about the number or letter or whatever. And a lot of the time you need to do some kind of alteration, which most people don't. And so there's a lot of people walking around in only moderately well-fitting clothing. While I personally would love to get bespoke clothing, that's just not in the cards. And for the average person, off the rack is the only way to go. So I think it's high time we do something about the way clothes fit or at least what is determined to be the baseline and how bodies change as they go up and down in shape or size, because shape changes, baby, especially as you get older. Gravity is not your friend, seriously. And then really, what gives when it comes to the idea of how much a person needs of anything? This is another thing I don't understand. Also about myself, but like just in general, I love watching shows or reading books from a long time ago when people had their workaday clothes and then their Sunday best. One pair of shoes, a hat, outerwear depending on where you lived. Closets were not yet invented, I don't think. People basically just had wardrobes that held pretty much just that. A couple pants, shirts, the good suit or dress, and I guess whatever they wore is underwear. I try not to think about that too much. But now, people need full walk-in closets or custom design closets to manage all the stuff we wear. Forget about all of the rest of the stuff we have. And I'm not gonna lie. Chris got a California closet earlier this year, and A, I'm a wee bit jealous because it's awesome, and B, it really did make a difference in terms of how well organized his wardrobe is right now. But what he has is literally a wardrobe that wouldn't fit in the old wardrobe if you're picking up what I'm putting down. It's crazy how much stuff we have. So the thing that I don't understand is where did things get so far removed from simply having enough? Like, what is enough? How do you know you have enough? What does it look like, feel like? How much lighter would we all feel if we stopped at enough and didn't feel compelled to get that next thing, whatever that is? Socks, a fun hat, a shirt, a pair of shoes. I mean, I'm super guilty of this. I see something that I think Chris or Daphne would like and I get it for them as a surprise, not necessarily because they need it, because I wanted to do something nice and I thought it would look good on them or it's cute or whatever. But we've long ago passed the enough marker and I need to take a weekend to do another purge because we are solidly into the too much realm of things. And it's about so much more than clothes and kitchen things or tools or whatever. It's literally everything. Listen to the commercials and they're literally telling you to get more, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? More, more, more. It's a wonder that not more people have to declare bankruptcy because of out of control consumerism. On a sportier note, I also really don't understand what is happening to our once proud and mighty football team. I agree wholeheartedly that it was time to change the name from the Eskimos to something more appropriate. And I really like the idea of staying with the double E. But Elks? Really? Of all the E names that were submitted, that was the best they could do? I personally think it's terrible. Maybe it'll grow on me, but I doubt it. And I don't like that new mascot, Spike. He looks mean. I mean, Nanook didn't look friendly. But he wasn't angry looking, or he didn't look like he has rabies like the Oilers mascot, that creepy lynx thing, Hunter. And what is up with that name? I don't think that is a particularly appropriate name for a mascot unless they're trying to appeal to the Cabela crowd. But back to the elks. For one thing, one doesn't refer to a herd of elk in the plural. 
it's not I saw two elks walking down the street in Jasper. It's like moose. One moose, two moose. One elk, two elk. So why are we the elks? It's dumb. And given how abominably we've been playing, they really need to think long and hard about these new rules that are now in place at Commonwealth Stadium. It's like going to a game in the No Fun League. You can't bring bags unless they're the sanctioned clear plastic things. You can't bring shell on pistachios. You can't bring blankets unless they're draped over your shoulder. Come on, it's Edmonton. The season goes into the fall. It's going to be cold, but you can't bring a rolled up sleeping bag or a piece of carpet to put under your feet to keep the chill from the concrete from freezing your feet unless it all fits into your 12 by 6 by 12 sanctioned plastic bag. So stupid. I don't understand that if the franchise wants fans to stick it out until the double E don't suck anymore, why they're doing everything they can to make it not fun to go. They have to find ways to put the fun back into going to a game. I've been to one so far and I think that that's it. I'm going to be putting my sporting dollars down on tickets to the Riverhawks where it really is a fun environment and they might even win once in a while. Now, I know I've also talked about this before when describing my losing battle with our front lawn, but there are a number of things that I don't understand about yards, the people who <clears throat> maintain them, and why there isn't a whole lot more people embracing the idea of returning our patches of Kentucky blue into something that is more sustainable and better suited to supporting all sorts of creatures, creeping, crawling, and buzzing alike. I just read an article about a couple in Ontario who are going to court over their front yard into which they have poured tens of thousands of dollars to naturalize it with native plants, but they're going to court because bylaw says the weeds can't be over 20 inches tall. The fact that some of these so-called weeds are actually milkweed, a native plant which was deliberately planted as a way to feed and support the endangered monarch butterfly, and then a whole bunch of other plants that were supporting all kinds of other species that are literally fighting for their pollinating lives because of loss of habitat. But bylaw says you have to have this lovely maintained patch of green lawn in your front and or backyard. And it's really only there as a show of controlling nature that dates back to like the 40s or something. Anyway, it's an ages old practice that serves no real purpose. And according to the Canadian Geographic article that I was reading, says that it's actually the biggest irrigated crop that we can't even eat. It makes no sense on so many levels. And so I'm glad that our plan to naturalize our sad front lawn is going to be in full swing soon. I'm going to be checking out the blowout sales at the local greenhouses to try to snap up all the good deals I can find on native perennial species and start tackling that pathetic patch with vigor over the next several weekends. Once established, it will be less maintenance and that's really a win-win because it leads me to something else I don't understand. How anyone can ever be bored. Chris and I have a running joke of all our relaxing weekends. We were on a roll there for a while for six to eight months with every weekend spent working on either renovating his office or the suite in the basement, working on one or both of our yards, planting, trimming, weeding, mowing, cleaning out the garage, washing windows, or honestly simply even just doing the myriad weekly and weekend chores. While all of those things, save the renovations, are truly never ending, I think we realized we had taken the approach of not being idle a little too far. We forgot to take time to unwind, relax, take a load off, and just have a truly relaxing weekend. I still don't understand how a person can be bored. Between those requisite things I have to do are the arm's length list of things that I want to do. Practice the ukulele, sew any number of things, do more watercolor, work on my podcast. I have a pile of books that I want to read, not to mention maybe hanging out with friends or going paddleboarding, hiking, cycling, window shopping, or just lounging and listening to albums. Yep the vinyl kind, in the living room, while flipping through cookbooks. 
I don't understand why a person would want to spend more than the requisite amount of time working, whether that's at your paid work or doing yard stuff, when there are so many other wonderful things they could be doing. And while I do hate my job a lot less than a while back because we have a lovely new manager and I'm really excited about the projects that we have on the go and the direction that we're going, I also know that I need to fill the proverbial cup if I'm going to be able to put the effort into the things that we need to make work. Patience and a thick skin are going to be the order of the day. So if I don't get that requisite R&R, it's going to be a tough slog trying to achieve what we have on the drawing board. So I really don't understand why we have such a hard time letting go of or hopping off the never-ending treadmill of things to do, because really, the fun stuff is going to be so much more enjoyable and all that other stuff will happen in due course. We just need to pace ourselves. Some of the other things I've recently had cause to ponder include my inability to comprehend why a cup of tea does nothing to keep me from feeling dozy at the office, but a bubble tea at 8.30 at night keeps me awake till 2 in the morning. Or why magpies have to start squawking at 5 a.m. And why the babies have to make that horrible, desperate noise when it's obvious that they are perfectly capable of feeding themselves. And I really don't understand why, with all the warnings about carbon dioxide emissions and the cost of gas, that people insist on running their vehicles in the summer so they can sit in air-conditioned comfort and be on their phones. Or, in the winter, not have to have a cold bum because their command start has their car all cozy and warm. Because heaven forbid that you have to be in your car and be cold when it's winter for more than five minutes. I don't know what would happen if I put bananas in people's tailpipes, but I've had a long-standing fantasy about doing that. Maybe that's a sign I need therapy, because honestly, how does my lack of understanding someone's selfish behavior make me want to put a banana in their tailpipe? Possibly something to ponder for another day. Maybe I can talk about it with a friend, and they'll be able to shed some light on it. I don't know that that would work in Daphne's generation or cohort or whatever you want to call it though. I may have mentioned before the apparent lack of the ability to communicate and seriously I am truly baffled by what appears to be a total lack of an ability to have a meaningful conversation among young people. If it's not via text or group chat on some weird server, forget about it. They are seemingly incapable of communication. And and really, those servers totally freak me out if I'm being honest. Like who are these weirdos on these group chats? Anyway, I've watched Daphne on these things. There are usually multiple chats open at any given time and they're flipping back and forth between tabs or something and just just adding random comments to I'm not really sure what. Maybe it's an information exchange. Sometimes there are drawings or memes or references to something, but it seems to me that it's really just two or more people saying or typing words at each other, but not really listening or hearing or reading any of it. It's a back and forth, but more like a debate with both sides trying to score points for being more right. And it's not just that basic information exchange that seems to be missing or limited. It's also a lack of acceptance that two or more things can be true at the same time. You can disagree about your favorite band or manga or anime, but still enjoy talking about music or art or literature, even if you enjoy listening to or reading or watching different things. For a generation who can switch pronouns to support someone at the drop of a hat and are seemingly so open, understanding and accepting of people in terms of queerness or ethnicity, they just don't seem to be able to extend that differences in opinion between stuff that really doesn't matter at all should be a thing. In an episode of Think Again, Adam Grant referred to this as being not so much about not connecting with the out-group as it is a fear of being disconnected from the in-group, which makes sense and says a lot about where we are in society right now. And it also explains why from the snatches of conversation, and I use that term loosely, I've overheard or inadvertently read, it's all about constantly making arguments for what they believe to be true, and therefore, if you are going to be a part of the in-group, you must also believe it to be true. Or conversely, them telling you why what you believe to be true is actually wrong. 
or vice versa. There is no ability to accept differences of opinion within the confines of the group. It is the worst case of groupthink imaginable because the price of not agreeing is loss of membership in the group. That inability to accept different opinions may be because everything that is on mainstream media, virtually every alt-stream media, certainly social media, unless you carefully curate a diverse feed of information, basically spews one of two flavors. You're with us or you're against us. And that's terrifying. So what I don't understand is how, in a world where in reality everything is nuanced and shades of grey abound, we have somehow shifted to assuming incorrectly that everything can be neatly put into the binary. It is further ingraining the division of right versus left, liberal versus conservative, and everything else into camps that is leading down a truly frightening path. A lot of the things that I don't understand, like high school math, how vanilla continues to be the most popular flavor, why pineapple on pizza continues to be a thing, or why Luna insists on walking on the left side of the road don't, at the end of the day, matter all that much. Everyone, myself included, will die perfectly happy if I never get the answer to those questions. At the end of the day, I guess there will always be things I don't understand, like where are the pollinators this year? And why do people insist on not using their signal lights? Perhaps the more important thing is to remember to be open-minded enough to accept the answers that someone else might propose, even if they are not, at first blush, a person I may want to believe could have the answers. Maybe I won't believe in everything they do, but that doesn't mean that they can't still be right about something. It doesn't make their answers wrong because I don't believe in some of the other things that they do or say. The fact is we all have biases to overcome and so we all therefore have to have enough humility to admit what we don't know as well as to accept the answers or solutions that are presented. Whether that's about masking or vaccines or climate change or colonialism or affirmative action or anything, especially as it affects the greater good. Someone I work with said that we are all just here to walk one another home. And if we can wrap our heads around that and think as much about others as we do about ourselves, then I think we might have a chance. The moral of the story is that we need to find a way to stop focusing on the few things that make us different and instead focus on the infinitely greater number of things that unite us in our common humanity. If you have things that you don't understand, I'd love to hear about them because maybe we have some of them in common. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for a topic or even better, a perspective to share, I would love to hear them and share them, ideally in a conversation with you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and throw a comment my way or share with friends. For better or for worse, we're all in this together. We have exactly one world to share, so let's make it the best one it can be. Until next time, take good care. Ciao for now.